This message is brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about our ministries, we encourage you to visit us online at tabernaclehickory.org. That's tabernaclehickory.org. You can find our sermons on a number of platforms, including Apple iTunes, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. We trust that God will use this message to speak to your heart. 1 Samuel chapter number 25. Uh, we'll read quite a lengthy portion through verse number 32. I want to encourage you as I'm reading, uh, you are also reading along with me and asking God to speak to us through his word this morning. 1 Samuel chapter 25, beginning in verse number 1. And Samuel died, and all the Israelites were gathered together and lamented him and buried him in his house at Ramah. And David arose and went down into the wilderness of Paran. There was a man in Maon whose possessions were in Carmel, and the man was very great, and he had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats, and he was shearing his sheep in Carmel. Now the name of the man was Nabal, and the name of his wife Abigail. And she was a woman of good understanding and of a beautiful countenance. But the man was churlish and evil in his doings, and he was of the house of Caleb. And David heard in the wilderness that Nabal did shear his sheep, and David sent out ten young men. And David said unto the young men, Get you up to Carmel, and go to Nabal, and greet him in my name. And thus shall ye say to him that liveth in prosperity, Peace be both to thee, and peace to thine house, and peace be unto all that thou hast and now I have heard that thou hast shearers. Now thy shepherds, which were with us, we hurt them not, neither was there aught missing unto them, all the while they were in Carmel. Ask thy young men, and they will show thee. Wherefore, let the young men find favor in thine eyes, for we come in a good day. Give, I pray thee, whatsoever cometh to thine hand unto thy servants and to thy son David. And when David's young men came, they spake to Nabal according to all those words in the name of David and ceased. And Nabal answered David's servants and said, Who is David and who is the son of Jesse? There be many servants nowadays that break away every man from his master. Shall I then take my bread and my water and my flesh that I have killed for my shearers and give it unto the men whom I know not whence they be? So David's young men turned their way and went again and came and told him all those sayings. And David said unto his men, Gird ye on every man his sword. And they girded on every man his sword. And David also girded on his sword. And there went up after David about 400 men, and 200 abode by the stuff. But one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, saying, Behold, David sent messengers out of the wilderness to salute our master, and he railed on them. But the men were very good unto us, and we were not hurt, neither missed we anything, as long as we were conversant with them when we were in the fields. They were a wall unto us both by night and day. All the while we were with them keeping the sheep. Now therefore know and consider what wilt thou do, or what thou wilt do rather. For evil is determined against our master and against all his household. For he is such a son of Belial that a man cannot speak to him. 
Then Abigail made haste and took 200 loaves and two bottles of wine and five sheep ready dressed and five measures of parched corn and a hundred clusters of raisins and 200 cakes of figs and laid them on asses. And she said unto her servants, Go on before me. Behold, I come after you. But she told not her husband Nabal. And it was so as she rode on the ass that she came down by the covert of the hill. And behold, David and his men came down against her, and she met them. Now David had said, Surely in vain have I kept all that this fellow hath in the wilderness, so that nothing was missed of all that pertained unto him. And he hath requited me evil for good. So and more also do God unto the enemies of David, if I leave not of all that pertain to him by the morning light, any that pisseth against the wall. And when Abigail saw David, she hasted and lighted off the ass and fell before David on her face and bowed herself unto the ground and fell at his feet and said, Upon me, my Lord, upon me let this iniquity be, and let thine handmaid, I pray thee, speak in thine audience and hear the words of thine handmaid. Let not, my Lord, I pray thee, Regard this man of Belial, even Nabal, for as is his or as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name, and folly is with him. But I, thine handmaid, saw not the young men of my Lord, whom thou didst sin. Now therefore, my Lord, as the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, seeing uh, the, the Lord hath withholden thee from coming to shed blood, and from avenging thyself with thine own hand. And now let thine enemies and they that seek evil to my Lord be as Nabal. Now this blessing which thine handmaid hath brought unto my Lord, let it be given unto the young men that follow my Lord. I, I pray thee, forgive the trespass of thine handmaid, for the Lord will certainly make my Lord a sure house, because my Lord fighteth the battles of the Lord. And evil hath not been found in thee all thy days. Yet a man is risen to pursue thee and to seek thy soul. The soul of my Lord should be bound in the bundle of life with the Lord thy God. And the souls of thine enemies, them shall he sling out as the middle of a sling. And it shall come to pass when the Lord shall have done to my Lord according to all the good that he hath spoken concerning thee, and shall have appointed thee ruler over Israel, that this shall be no grief unto thee, nor offense of heart unto my Lord, either that thou hast shed blood causeless, or that my Lord hath avenged himself. But when the Lord shall have dealt well with my Lord, then remember thine handmaid. And David said to Abigail, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, which sent thee this day to meet me. And blessed be thy advice, and blessed be thou which hast kept me this day from coming to shed blood and from avenging myself with mine own hand. For in very deed, as the Lord God of Israel liveth, which hath kept me back from hurting thee, except thou hast hasted and come to meet me, surely there had not been left unto Nabal by the morning light any that pisseth against the wall. So David received of her hand that which she had brought him, and said unto her, Go up in peace to thine house. See, I have hearkened to thy voice, and have accepted thy person. Let's pray together. Our fathers, we come before thee here this morning and we come around your word. We pray that the spirit of God would speak to us concerning this text and the events that are unfolding here before us and the lesson 
that you taught your servant David as he responded to the folly of the, folly of the foolish man, Nabal. And as we deal with folly and foolishness in the hearts of people all around us, I pray, God, that you would help us to learn, Lord, as David exemplified in the previous chapter, not to take matters into his own hand. Help us not to take matters into our hands. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Proverbs 26 and verse number 4 says, Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest thou also be like unto him. Here we have the story of David. He continues in his flight from Saul. He and his men, the number has grown to about 600. Saul has withdrawn himself and gone home. The news comes that Samuel the prophet has died. Not much is said concerning his death or of the mourning of the nation of Israel. But we know that Samuel has died. I don't think David went to the funeral. In fact, the Bible tells us where he went to dwell in Paran in the wilderness and no doubt reflected upon the life and the influence of Samuel, not only upon the nation of Israel, but in David's life, Samuel's dealings with him directly. Samuel was a prophet who came to his home and who anointed him with oil as the next king of the nation of Israel. And now Samuel has died, and David continues his flight, and his men are hungry. They're living out in the wilderness. You can't go to the Walmart in the wilderness. Amazon does not deliver in the wilderness. And you're responsible not only for yourself and for your own family, but for 600 men, and many of them had their wives and their children as well to care for. And so David sends a request to a man named Nabal who has celebrated a great harvest. He is shearing his sheep. He's going to take the wool and sell it. And there's going to be a great feast. And so David knows that in preparation of that feast, here's this man, Nabal, who is very wealthy. And David sends his young men to go to speak to Nabal on behalf of David, asking for some provisions for his men. Nabal is not happy to respond positively. In fact, he reviles David and his men and sends them away empty. They then brought the news to David, who when he heard it was full of anger. And the man who in chapter number 24 would not lift his hand against Saul, now took the sword in his hand to go and fight against Nabal. Uh, Abigail, the wife of Nabal, who was uh, a very godly woman, a wise woman, a, a woman of a beautiful countenance, she received the report concerning her husband's response to David's men. And one of Nabal's servants said, you need to do something or we're all going to be in trouble. And so she loaded up the donkeys with provisions and she sent them on ahead and she went and met David. 
And when she met him, she came off of the back of the donkey and fell on her face at the feet of David and began to beseech him to forgive her of the sins that her husband had committed. And she appealed to him. She reasoned with him concerning the actions that he was about to take, the action of vengeance. And she's saying to David, my husband Nabal, he's rightly named, He's a fool. He's a foolish man. But David, please, don't go and do something foolish and answer this fool according to his folly. David, of course, listened to her advice and responded to her advice. In verse 32, he said, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, which sent thee this day to meet me, and blessed be thy advice, and blessed be thou which hast kept me this day from coming to shed blood and from avenging myself with mine own hand. And as we read the Proverbs and we think of this proverb in chapter 26 and verse 4, answer not a fool according to his folly. Of course, we understand that Solomon was largely responsible for uh, the assembly of these Proverbs, the collection of Proverbs that we read. But we also understand that Solomon received these Proverbs from his father. You see, the book of Proverbs is, is, is a book that is written from a father to a son. And Solomon's father is David. And no doubt David, when he taught his son this proverb, thought back to this event that we're reading of here in chapter number 25. Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest thou also be likened to him. I want us to note some things in this passage. We're only going to have time this morning to look at half of it. And we'll continue the next time uh, in the conclusion of this chapter. But I want you to note three things this morning. Number one, we'll see David's request. Then secondly, we'll look at Nabal's reproach. And then finally, we'll see David's wrath. Let's look first of all at David's request. We begin in verse number four. David heard in the wilderness that Nabal did shear his sheep. And David sent out ten young men, and David said unto the young men, Get you up to Carmel, and go to Nabal, and greet him in my name. And thus shall ye say to him that liveth in prosperity, Peace be both to thee, and peace be to thine house, and peace be unto all that thou hast. And now I have heard that thou hast shearers. Now thy shepherds which were with us, we hurt them not, neither was there aught missing unto them. All the while they were in Carmel. Ask thy young men, and they will show thee. Wherefore, let the young men find favor in thine eyes, for we come in a good day. Give, I pray thee, whatsoever cometh to thine hand unto thy servants and to thy son David. Now, I want you to note here the request of David. As I said a moment ago, he is responsible uh, to feed these people that are under his care. These 600 men, uh, many of them with their wives and children. And we understand that this request was not an unreasonable request. In fact, it was reasonable. Now, there are a couple of reasons that it was reasonable. Number one, Nabal had prospered. He had prospered. Uh, the Bible tells us 
uh, that Nabal in verse number two uh, was a man in Maon whose possessions were in Carmel, and the man was very great. That means he was a wealthy man. And he had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats, and he was shearing his sheep in Carmel. So here's this man with this tremendous uh, flock of sheep. And uh, this is a measure of his wealth. And now has come the time to shear those sheep and to sell the wool. His servants have been working, taking care of the sheep, tending to the fields, growing the crops. And now here we find that Nabal is in a time of harvest. In fact, David said to him in verse number 8, he says, We come in a good day. Nabal had prospered, and so he had plenty to give. A second reason that this was a reasonable request is because Nabal was protected. He was protected. You see, David and his men had protected Nabal's flocks and farm. Note what we read here again uh, concerning the report of David to Nabal. When he says in verse 8, Ask thy young men, and they will show thee. Wherefore, let the young men find favor in thine eyes, for we come in a good day. Verse 7, he explains what he means. Now have I heard that thou hast shearers. Now thy shepherds which were with us, we hurt them not, neither was there aught missing unto them all the while we were in Carmel. He said, the whole time that we were there in Carmel running from Saul, we were there protecting not only ourselves, but Nabal, we were protecting you. We were uh, protecting your sheep. We were protecting uh, your servants, taking care of you. And the reason that you have enjoyed such prosperity is because we were there to protect you. Look in verse 15, if you would, please. And here we have the, the testimony of the servants of Nabal. And they're speaking to Abigail concerning David's men. In verse 15, he says, But the men were very good unto us, and we were not hurt, neither missed we anything, as long as we were conversant with them when we were in the fields. In other words, as long as those guys were with us, we didn't suffer any losses. The Philistines couldn't come against us. They protected us. They protected us from the animals. Remember, David was quite experienced at that, right? He had delivered his sheep from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear. And so David, who's a natural shepherd, was not only looking out for his sheep, but he was looking out for Nabal's. In verse 16, their report continues, they were a wall unto us both by night and day, and all the while we were with them keeping the sheep. You see, Nabal had prospered, and Nabal was protected. He had enjoyed the protection of David. You know, there are many people on this earth who are enjoying the blessings of God. All of us who have life are enjoying the blessings of God, are we not? The life that you have, sir, the life that you have, ma'am, is a gift from God. The health that you have, the, the wits that you have, the ability that you have to go to work and to earn an income, the provisions that you enjoy on a daily basis are all a gift from God. 
The Bible tells us that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. It is God who has given us power to get wealth. It is God who has blessed us. And so it's not an unreasonable request for us to acknowledge the one who has blessed us so. David here is asking Nabal, just give us a little food. We did our best to protect you. You've prospered. That was his request. I want you to see a second thing here in our text, and that is Nabal's reproach. Nabal's reproach. Notice in verse number 10, And Nabal answered David's servants and said, Who is David and who is the son of Jesse? There be many servants nowadays that break away every man from his master. Shall I then take my bread and my water and my flesh that I have killed for my shearers and give it unto men whom I know not whence they be? Here we find that Nabal responds to David's request with a reproach against David, reviling him. Again, David has not asked for anything unreasonable. He is just asking Nabal, would you reward my good toward you with good toward us? A very reasonable request. But Nabal reviles and reproaches David in his response. You see, we're learning something here about Nabal. What is it that we learn about him? Well, first of all, we learned that he was a foolish man. He was a wealthy man, but he wasn't a wise man. He was a foolish man. Look at it, if you would, please, in verse number 25. Uh, here we find the appeal of Abigail, and she's speaking to David. And she's speaking to him about her husband. She says, excuse me, in verse 25, Let not my Lord, I pray thee, regard this man of Belial, even Nabal. For as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name, and folly is with him. Here we find that Abigail says, don't you understand, David, who you're dealing with? You're not dealing with Saul here. You're not dealing with a powerful man. You're dealing with a man named Nabal. He's a foolish man. He's a son of Belial. That means he is a worthless man. That word Belial means worthless. He's the son of a worthless one. His conduct betrays the fact that he is a worthless man. For as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name, and folly is with him. Do you know that Nabal literally means fool? Now, I doubt that his mom and daddy, when they looked at him at the hospital, looked at him and said, oh, look at that sweet little fool. I, I doubt that was the name they gave him. Here's what I imagine. I imagine that Nabal's characteristics were so apparent to everyone that they just started calling him Nabal because he acted like a fool. You know how people get nicknames, right? Some not so kind. Nabal got a nickname, fool. And what is she saying? She said, what would you expect from a fool but foolish behavior? And you see here, although he had enjoyed prosperity as a result of the protection of David, he refused to acknowledge David, and he refused to give to David his due reward. 
That's the characteristic of a fool, is it not? What does the Bible say? Psalm 53 and verse number 1, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Now, some say it with their lips. In fact, that's a very popular thing in this culture today. Atheism on the increase, the boldness of those who hate God, the refusal by many of our government leaders to even acknowledge God's existence, to revile and reproach the name of the Lord Jesus, to diminish uh, his word and, and those who hold to his word. We, we find that there are nables all around us today. We live in a world of nables. But the Bible says the fool has said in his heart there is no God. This is someone who may not even have the audacity to say it with his lips, but in his heart he says it because the way he lives indicates that he has no fear of God. He doesn't seek God for guidance. He doesn't live according to God's word, and he has no intention to. He lives as if there was no God. And he says in his heart, there isn't one. Nabal was a foolish man, but Nabal was a fierce man. He was fierce. Notice what the Bible says about Nabal in the closing portion of verse number three. But the man was churlish and evil in his doings, and he was of the house of Caleb. Now, that word churlish is not a word that we use today often. Uh, in fact, I can't remember the last time I heard it other than when I read it in the Bible. But it's not a good word. I mean, you can tell that when you read it, right? He was churlish. What does the word mean? It means to be hard. It means to be harsh. It means to be cruel. What kind of guy was Nabal? Well, he's not the kind of guy that would wave at you when you drove down the road. He's not the kind of guy that would call on you if you were sick. No, he was a harsh man. He's the kind of guy the kids would bypass his house when they were going to the bus stop. They didn't want anything to do with this mean man, this cruel man, this harsh man that Nabal was. You see, when you deny the existence of God, when you live as if there is no God, there's no joy in your life, there's no contentment in your life, there's no peace in your life, there's no pleasantness in your life, and there was certainly no pleasantness in the life of Nabal. The Bible said he was evil in his doings. He was bad in his actions. We see that he was selfish. In verse number 11, he said, Shall I then take my bread and my water and my flesh that I have killed for my shearers? Am I going to take my stuff? You see, again, there is pride here. There is no acknowledgment that God had blessed him, that David had protected him, or that God had protected him through David. No acknowledgment of that whatsoever. Just a selfish, foolish pride that says, it's all about me. I'm the guy who did this. Therefore, I'm not going to give it to you. The Bible says in verse number 14, when the servants gave their report uh, concerning uh, Nabal's behavior and his response to the servants of David, uh, Nabal's servant said he railed on them. Here's an angry guy. He's a harsh guy. He's a cruel guy. He's an angry guy. He's railing on them. You can hear it in his voice. You can hear it in his volume. His words 
his tone, and then he's unreasonable. Such a son of Belial that a man, in verse 17, a man cannot speak. You can't even reason with this guy. You can't even talk to him. And so what did the son of Belial say? He said, who is David? Who is the son of Jesse? Now, let me tell you, everybody in Israel at this point knows who David is, right? If it weren't for David, they would be in the bondage of the Philistines, remember? Goliath standing in the valley, come fight. If you'll fight me and defeat me, we'll be your servants. But if we defeat you, if I defeat you, if I defeat your champion, then you're going to be our servants. And Saul and nobody in the army, nobody would go face that giant. But David did. He went with a sling, five smooth stones. He just needed one. And that stone found its mark, did it not? And the giant fell, and the people were delivered. Nabal wouldn't have freedom if it weren't for David. Who is David? Who is the son of Jesse? Oh, I know I know the rumors that Samuel had gone down to anoint one of the sons of Jesse. But who really cares about that? Who is this Jesse character? And then notice the accusation he makes here. There be many servants nowadays that break away every man from his master. Here's a false accusation. He says, David is disloyal to Saul. Therefore, he's not fit to reign. He's, he's not fit to receive any food from me. He's a disloyal guy. Now, we know this isn't true. But nevertheless, in fact, Abigail, the wife of Nabal, knew it wasn't true. And in a moment when we read, or actually it'll be next week or the week after when we look at the remainder of this chapter, we're going to see the words that she spoke. Powerful words, prophetic words, words that show her discernment concerning what God was doing. And so here we see this reproach of Nabal. You know, it's not easy living in this world full of reproaches, is it? Pull out of the parking lot. Let somebody come up on you with a horn going. Let's see how we respond, right? Somebody waves at you, but really they don't wave. They're making an unkind gesture on the highway. Or you hear from a friend, did you hear what so-and-so said about you? What? <laughs> Or somebody that you know doesn't treat you the way that you thought you deserved to be treated. What happens to us? We deal with the reproaches all the time. And the Lord Jesus dealt with reproaches, and his servants have been called to suffer those reproaches with him. And so we see here David's request. We see Nabal's reproach. We see, lastly, David's wrath. And this is really the heart of it, isn't it? Because we began in Proverbs 26 and verse 4, answer not a fool according to his folly. In other words, if you're treated badly by a fool, then don't resort to treating him the same way. Don't resort to becoming a fool in dealing with a fool. And this is exactly what Abigail is trying to say to David. But in this moment, when David hears this news, he is full of wrath 
and anger. Here's the guy who in chapter number 24, when he had the opportunity to kill Saul, refused to do it. He had the sword in hand. He had a knife in hand. He, he had Saul there who had no idea that David was even in the cave. He had every opportunity to go ahead and end himself of all the trouble that he'd had with Saul just simply if he smote him with the sword. But he didn't do that. He didn't do that. And we watch David restrain himself, and we see him show reverence to Saul in chapter number 24, and we see that Saul says to him, God has established you this day. He has established the kingdom in your hand. And we stand and we say, good job, David. I wish I was more like that. But then we come to chapter 25, and we see the guy who passed the test with an A+. He's in trouble. Looks like he's going to fail. And we're reminded of our own selves, right? How we can pass the test this day. But the next day, we're in trouble again. This is what's happening to David. Look at verse 12. So David's young men turned their way and went again and came and told him all those things. And David said unto his men, Gird ye on every man his sword. And they girded on every man his sword. And David also girded on his sword. And there went up after David about 400 men and 200 abode by the stuff. But one of the young men told Abigail Nabal's wife, saying, Behold, David sent messengers out of the wilderness to salute our master. And he railed on them. But the men were good unto us. And we were not hurt, neither missed we anything as long as we were conversant with them when we were in the fields. They were a wall unto us both by night and day. All the while we were with them keeping the sheep. Now, therefore, know and consider what thou wilt do. For evil, notice this, please, evil is determined against our master, and it was. The question was going to be, who would execute that? Would it be? David, or would it be the Lord? And let me just say this. The Bible says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. You see, God will avenge all evil. You see what's happening in this world today? Millions and millions of babies being slaughtered. And you wonder, is anybody going to do anything about this? You see people being taken advantage of and all the crime in the streets of the cities of America and throughout the world, the oppression and the wickedness. You see the rebels of God who speak boldly against him and who promote uh, sinful living and wickedness. And sometimes we might wonder who is going to take care of this. Let me tell you who's going to take care of it. God is going to take care of it. You say, well, i got to do something about this. <laughs> no, what you have to do is do what God's given you to do. And David is learning this lesson. Evil is determined against our master and against all his household, for he is such a son of Belial that a man cannot speak with him. You see, David is angry. The man who was reviled by a fool, though, could not afford to respond as a fool. It would have been conduct unbecoming of a king. And remember who David is. He's the anointed king. He's the next king of Israel. He can't afford to act like a fool. 
You see, you and I are children of the king. Heirs and joint heirs with the Lord Jesus. We can't afford to act like this world in dealing with this world. You say, I just want to give that guy peace of my mind. No, what you're going to do is you're going to hurt your testimony and you're going to rob God of his glory and you're going to take a sword in your hand that doesn't belong there. You say, well, who's going to take care of all this? I'll tell you who's going to take care of it. God is. Do you trust him? You say, well, I don't understand why I'm going through this grief. It could be because God is teaching you to trust him. He, he, he's putting you to the test. You see, you do not respond to those who are foolish by reciprocating their foolishness. Ecclesiastes 7 and verse 9, Be not hasty in thy spirit to be angry, for anger resteth in the bosom of fools. So when you're worked up and you're ready to say something you know you don't need to say to your spouse, get a flashcard with Ecclesiastes 7 9 on there. Or that, that co-worker, that neighbor, that person that you, you don't enjoy dealing with. You see, David was angry. He was so angry. He said, I've been good to this guy. I've been good to this Nabal. I'm going to go and I'm going to kill every one of his men, every member of his family, all the men in that family. And he used language that was crude and unbecoming. You see, the word of God warns us of the dangers of wrath and anger. James 1.19, wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Let every man be, let me repeat that again. Let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak. You know, it's, it's not natural. I'm just being honest with you. It's not natural for me to be a listener. I, I'm more of a talker, and that talking gets me into trouble. And as a pastor, I do a lot of talking. In fact, I get sick of hearing myself talk. I just have that propensity in me. I, I think I can anticipate what people are going to say, and it's a, it's a weakness of mine. I, I'll admit that to you. I think I'm going to anticipate what they're going to say, so I just kind of help them jump to it, you know, just cut, cut through the stuff and get right to the heart of it. But the Bible says that we're to be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. I mean, you hear about these cars can go zero to 60 in six seconds. Some of us can go zero to 200 in our temper meter in two seconds, right? Slow to wrath. Slow to wrath. I mean, when you've got a quick tongue and a quick temper, that is a recipe for destruction. For the wrath of man, notice this, please, in James 1.19, for the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. God is not going to use an instrument that is angry to accomplish his will and purpose. And so may God help you and I not to be full of folly. Now, let me give you four quick dangers that are presented to us as a result of anger. Number one, anger defiles. It defiles. It defiles your heart. It defiles your mind. It defiles other people. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27, be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down on your wrath, neither give place to the devil. You see, when I get angry and I blow it, blow my top, I give place to the devil. Anger defiles. Proverbs 14, 17, he that is soon angry dealeth foolishly, and a man of wicked devices 
is hated. Anger defiles. Number two, anger distorts. Do you know that anger clouds our judgment and leads us to act irrationally? When Naaman was told by Elisha the prophet, remember Naaman had leprosy, and the little maid said, I know a prophet who can heal him. And so Naaman went to Elisha the prophet with his leprosy, and Elisha said, go down into the Jordan and dip seven times. And the Bible says in first or Second Kings, rather, chapter 5 and verse number 11, but Naaman was wroth and went away and said, Behold, I thought he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. You know, Naaman had been watching too many televangelists, hadn't he? Too many faith healers, too much Benny Hinn. He said, I thought he'd come out and make a big production out of it and 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 touch me and, and heal me. No, that's not what he told him to do. He said, go down and dip in the river. And, 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 and Naaman said, I'm more dignified than that. I mean, are not Abana and Farfar, uh, uh, Farpar, rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? I, I got a better way to do this. Oh, no, you don't. You must do it God's way. And you see, when you respond in anger, you lose the ability to make a good decision. Anger distorts. And here we find David. What's he going to do? The guy who a moment ago said, I'm not going to raise my hand against Saul is running after Nabal with a sword in his hand. I'm going to kill him and everybody in his house. Anger distorts. Here's the third one. Anger disrupts. It disrupts. You know, the unrestrained anger produces actions which sever relationships and produce regret. It, 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 it produces actions which severs relationships and produces regret. A great example of this is found in the book of Esther. When Ahasuerus, who was in a drunken feast, said, I want my, my wife Vashti to come, and I want her to parade around in front of all of you. I want you to see how beautiful she is. Now, that was not a becoming thing to do, even in that culture. And she refused to do it. And when she did so, Ahasuerus, in his rage, made a decree and said, Vashti is no longer my wife. She's done. I'll find a new queen. And the Bible says this in, in, in the book of Esther, chapter 2, and verse 1. After these things, when the wrath of King Ahasuerus was appeased. You need to remember this. In the moment of your anger, there's going to come a time when you simmer down. And when you simmer down, the question is, will you regret what you did when you were angry? He remembered Vashti and what she had done and what was decreed against her. Proverbs 15 and verse 18 says, A wrathful man stirreth up strife, but he that is slow to anger appeaseth strife. You see, anger disrupts our relationships. It disrupts our spirit. She said, Abigail said to him, this is not going to be a grief to you. This is not going to be something that brings conviction to your heart because you're not going to go and kill Nabal. But if you did, you'd regret it the rest of your life. I don't want you to have that disruption. Here's the last one. Anger destroys. 
anger destroys. You see, when we're overcome with anger, we destroy everything in our path, do we not? In Genesis chapter 4, we have the example of Cain. Abel had brought the offering to the Lord of the firstlings of the, fro- of the flock. He, he, had, he had brought the lamb. He had sacrificed the lamb, and the blood was shed for the remission of sins. That was God's prescribed way to approach him. That is the only way. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission for sin. If you're here this morning and you're in your sins, let me tell you that the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, died on the cross to make the payment for your sin. And there is no way that you can come to God. As the choir sang this morning, there is no way for you to be made righteous and come to God, but only through the blood of the Lamb that was spilt for you. When Jesus died on that cross, he bore your sins in his body. He died for you. He ascended out of the grave on the third day, victorious with life, abundant and available to all who would believe on him. Abel said, I believe it. Therefore, I'm going to come your way. But Cain said, you know, I don't like that, that bloody religion and, 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 and I don't need anybody to die for me. Look at what I've produced here. I, I grew these beautiful crops. Even though this ground, uh, you know, is cursed, I was able to grow these beautiful crops. And, Lord, here's what I've done. This is who I am, and you need to accept me on my terms. Sounds like the world's religion today, does it not? Just as long as you're sincere, you can go to God any way you want to. Oh, no, you can't. You say, why is this world so angry today? Because it does not like to hear the exclusivity of the message of the gospel. They do not want to be reminded that they're sinners. They do not want to be reminded that there is a hell awaiting them. They do not want to be reminded that there is only one way to to God, and that is through his son, Jesus Christ. And so in their rebellion and in their insistence of having it their way, their anger and their resentment builds. This is exactly what happened in the life of Cain. Note in Genesis 4, 6, And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? Why are you angry, Cain? Well, he was mad because God did not accept his offering. And he's not going to accept any offering but the blood of the Lamb. Why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? Verse 7, If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? If thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. But Cain wouldn't do well. And so in verse 8, the Bible said, And Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. That's what anger does. It causes destruction. You see, may God help us in this hour in which we live filled with neighbors all around us, not to answer the fools according to their folly. May God help us to rest in him and do the work he's given us to do. Proverbs 16, verse 32, he that is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh the city. Verse four, chapter 14, verse 29, he that is slow to wrath is of great understanding but he that is hasty of spirit, exalted folly. May God help us today. 
How is God speaking to you? Are you dealing with an Abel? Well, how are you going to respond to him? That's a test we get all the time. You know, the devil knows how to send the flies, doesn't he? That distract us, those little gnats that fly all around us. He wants to draw us away from himself. Satan wants to draw us away from Christ. He wants to draw us away from Christ's purposes in our lives. He wants to get us preoccupied and worked up about Nabal. And maybe this morning God has reminded you of that. And he's helped you to see that the thing you think is a big deal really isn't. And that the way you respond to Nabal is not the way Nabal responds to you. You don't respond in the power of your flesh. You don't respond in your anger. You respond in the power of the Holy Ghost. And perhaps today you're dealing with that. And today you need to come and confess that to the Lord and seek his power. Maybe today you're here and you're Nabal. There's no joy in your life. You're an unpleasant person. You have said in your heart there is no God, but today you want to come and acknowledge that the only reason you've enjoyed the blessings is because God has allowed you to. You see, there was mercy in Nabal's life for a time, but it was soon coming to an end, and it will soon come to an end in your life. Right now, today, is the day of salvation. This is the accepted time. Why don't you come to Jesus? He loves you. He died to save you, and he longs to forgive you. He longs to put you in the family. Why don't you come to him? Thank you for listening to this message from Tabernacle Baptist Church. We pray that God has used his word to speak to your heart today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of Tabernacle Baptist Church, you can go to our website, tabernaclehickory.org. That is tabernaclehickory.org. There you'll find additional resources that we pray God will use to be a help to you. If the Lord should lead you to partner with us or make a donation online, you'll find a link provided on the website at tabernaclehickory.org. May God bless you and thank you for listening.